Welcome to another episode of Forge Podcast, a podcast where we go into the esports industry as a whole, sharing opinions and thoughts about the latest happenings, as well as the big changes we'll see in the workplace. I'm Zach. I'm Jan. And this is Forge. How are you doing, Jan? Hey. Doing good. It's been a while. Yeah, um, definitely. But happy to uh, finally be back and yeah. recording another episode, talking to you. I mean, yeah. not that we usually don't talk, but <laughs> this time we get to talk a little bit more on on recent stuff. But yeah, overall, stuff is good. It's a little warm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The heat has summer, come out here. Yeah, I mean, it's... The UK is just boiling right now, and I've literally just come back from Texas, which is obviously a bloody desert. So, yeah, <laughs> coming back to the UK, it's yeah different heat. But uh, you you've been to DreamHack? Right? Yeah, yeah, I went to went to DreamHack it? Dallas. Yeah, honestly, incredible. It was it was my first DreamHack, and um, I was there with the Quadrant Halo team, um, who did very well. Uh, I I will say three yes. zero against Optic. Oh, okay um but yeah no the the event itself was great like there's loads of stuff going on there was obviously iem there um there was rocket league there there was Fortnite there um there was oh, you're gonna have to forgive me because i can't remember the name of the tournament that your team was playing in uh was another round of esl impact impacts uh, that's the one um yeah counter strike female yeah. But it it was great to be honest, mate, because I was sat uh, in in the crowd watching the Halo, and then I turn around slightly, and then I can see your team on the stage behind me. So it was yeah. a very very good place to be. But no, honestly, really really cool event, really really exciting. Um, I'm going to be making sure I go to more of those in the future. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, Dreamhack is always nice. I've actually never. I don't think I've ever been to Dreamhack in the states. Um, like I've been to Dreamhack uh summer dreamhack winter yep. both in sweden uh i've been to dreamhack in germany and in france and valencia but i don't think i've ever been to dreamhack in the in the states so i don't know how it is yeah um it's yeah glad you glad you're having a good time I, I can only imagine like dreamhack and like especially when there's halo oh you know, when North America for once is good at a video game. <laughs> Do you know what? That's um, yeah. Like that. That's the thing is that they they are dominating the Halo scene, obviously. But yeah, the the crowd and the atmosphere, the community there was just so good. Like the it there was a slight worry on my side, obviously knowing how big Halo is in in Europe, thinking that oh there might not be that big of a turnout. Like the guys might be on stage and playing to no one, which obviously is a bit like it's not what you want but it was packed like all the seats filled three rows of people standing behind them um the atmosphere was great and nice. believe it or not an american team won but <laughs> but i we... mean well look yeah like ever since ever since the beginning of halo it was it was always like yeah. that yeah exactly but i mean we matched the european record of top six so it's yeah, focusing nice. on that top four going forwards, but no, really good. Nice. Um, cool. Yeah. The yeah. The, the, la the last time we we made uh, we did this podcast, I think I just came from a tournament. You did. Yeah. 
Yeah, which was which was Ayam Katowice, and now this time you're just coming straight from the tournament. Yeah, yeah, it's tournament season at the moment. There's going to be a few more coming up. So uh... I mean, well, the last episode has been quite a while. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's let's not let's not only do a podcast right after a tournament. <laughs> yeah, so. that's the criteria. That that's yeah. We can only record a podcast when we've come back. We're jet lagged. We feel ill. We've got land oh, flu. Uh, the whole shebang. Yeah. Um, typical land flu but no definitely i mean speaking of the last podcast i I think it's worth uh just slight like literally five seconds just talking about it because i think it flows really nicely into what we're going to be talking about today as a a kind of a bit of a juxtaposition like the the other end of the spectrum uh so obviously previously we were talking about franchising and the power involved there and obviously the titles that are franchised and some of the success that we've seen with it but now, Jan, I'm going to let you introduce today's topic. Yeah, I mean, we're a little bit closer to like recent news. Um, and yep. recent news is actually like on the day that this episode is, is dropping and going live, um, there is going to be an agreement. Um, but uh, we recently saw something happening in the North American League of Legends scene uh, with the LCS. And the big dispute going between the league and the teams first and then kind of like the the league or riot in, yep. in that case with a little bit of involvement of the lcs teams but more like riot versus the lcspa which is the um lcs player association um so yeah just if if you have missed it it's pretty much um the teams had issues and didn't want to field uh nacl teams anymore which is the north american challenger league um, kind of like the second league in, in Europe we're quite fortunate with the EMEA um, regional leagues um, but in North America the teams didn't really want to do that anymore because the talent isn't necessarily there it's quite cost heavy on their end to run those teams and uh, yeah, they're not getting the best out of it so they kind of like turned to Riot and, and said like look we're, we're not looking to do it anymore and this caused a little bit of like a player revolt where um, players threatened or like made this like the, the walkout kind of like happened. Yep. Um, like more than 90% of LCS players voted um, to walk out, which which is crazy. And then what happened is that the league put in kind of like a statement of um, or allowing other players, like taking the restriction of that you have to be at least a certain rank in League of Legends to compete in the yeah. LCS, taking that away and kind of like moving orcs to field whoever they may want to field. Um, yeah, like it, it ended up in a big dispute and uh, it um, kind of like early June, so like two weeks ago, we ended at a point where the player association, Riot and LCS said like, oh yeah, we're going to resolve those issues, but if they're not getting resolved, then um and, and and they moved the start of the league um now the lcs is, is starting this league this week um they moved the start of the league by two weeks and if they don't come to an agreement they literally just said like oh yeah lcs summer is not going to happen and north america will not be represented at worlds which yep. is quite a hard punishment because if yeah. you think about it it pretty much just means a 50 players 50 professional players some of the best players in the world are without a job 
yeah. and it's more than 50 players like it's look it's, it's the coaching the coaches and and like all of the staff behind um the teams are not getting exposure for that like it it is quite hefty but now already at a point where um yeah everything is fine and they have come to an agreement even though they still have to like figure out things um and the the lcs summer split is resuming on june 14th which is the day that this episode is dropping mm. and and going live um but yeah um conversations are still going on yeah uh there's still a lot to discuss and it leads us to the question well who holds the power because last time when we talked about franchising we talked about yeah oh it's actually kind of nice for players when they start in like those franchise leagues because they're getting a, a set salary you know they're somewhat safe there are regulations but in the end do they really hold the power yeah i mean i think it's a really interesting one so obviously with the the kind of earlier talks that were happening last week with the uh, initial demands actually yeah is the right word from the from the player association that got sent to riot and then riot's response was no to to all of them it then instantly makes you feel like right okay it's it's quite clear who has the power in terms of the fact that obviously if any changes are going to be made they have to be sanctioned by um by riot in that instance so I d it's a really tricky one it really is because i think i i'm happy that stuff like this has happened in the sense that there have to be expectations across the board i think it's it's not necessarily clear-cut things that, that were being asked for obviously with like the challenger league and everything like that um so there has to be some understanding on both sides from that point especially from the financial side with everything that's going on in esports at the moment but yeah i i I'd think that it just feels like riot holds the power currently i'm glad that conversations have continued but no no matter what at the end of the day like they're, they're the people that put the tournaments there for you to play in and a hundred percent like i agree with the walkout i genuinely do i think a point needed to be made and the point was successfully made by like you said over 90 percent of the of the competitive scene but for riot especially in the esports times currently would probably save a lot of money if they didn't have to run um run the north american league this summer like yeah. the, there's a lot of factors but yeah I'd, it's just it was a shock to be honest it, i didn't expect to be seeing something like that um but i, I mean yeah. like it, it was time that it, it happened somewhere and yeah look in the end every game developer has the upper hand they yeah. always have the power um i mean you know a player that um both you and me interacted with who yeah. played for us in in rick's uh aka snitch uh, he has a new name now. Jabin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jabin. Um, but yeah, look, like his eSport got cancelled twice. Like back in the days in like Heroes of the Storm, eSports got cancelled in 2018 because Blizz Activision Blizzard decided to pull the plug because it wasn't viable financially. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a big player like League or Dota. It was like just the third biggest MOBA. 
Um, so it wasn't necessarily financially viable for them anymore. So they decided to to pull the plug and uh, decide what two weeks prior to Christmas, when the new season was supposed to start in January, that there was not going to be a new season and yeah. all of the players are going to be without the job. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Like it, it doesn't matter if there's a franchise or like <clears throat> like what what the franchise kind of usually does is it gives you security over a certain period of time yeah or because it, it doesn't even have to be like a franchise but what what mo most people probably don't know but like teams do sign something that is called a tpa a team participation agreement and this is kind of like locking in both the game dev as well as the teams that the league is going to be run for let's say two or three years or like for this entire year and the teams to participate and confirm conform like yeah ab abide with all the rules that are put there by the by the tournament develop uh, by the game dev and, and by the tournament organizer yeah. Um, so this is giving you some sort of like a security net, um, which we talked about. But like in the end, the you know the the big power is always with the game dev. So I mean, look, this this was at some point going to happen, but I think you know as as much as the the LCSPA like the player association is coming in there, kind of like kicking and screaming, they were never going to win this. And yeah. It is it is a little bit questionable of like okay what what did they actually like get out of this now? It's like yeah, it's, they I, f I think they even went in and said like they want to have the relegation system like that you can be relegated from the NACL or uh, from the LCS into NACL and then you can actually get promoted. Yeah. Which is absolutely not the point or is like going behind the backs of the teams that are playing paying their salaries because they paid millions of dollars years ago to be part of the league and and be in that franchise and not be relegated ever again so yeah it's a little bit tricky um i don't think the the lcs player association was ever going to win um as much as they can get in in terms of like you know kind of like bones that that riot is kind of like throwing at them that's good um but yeah overall i think just is is it's not hopeless but like in all of those systems the game developer usually always has the upper hand yeah and i i think that's it and like you you mentioned with um obviously javen that's had two games cancelled on him like with with wild rift there was there was no communication to the organization either. It was just tweet goes out, or or something gets leaked, and then a, a formal a formal thing is posted. And at that point, is yeah. then every team is then in that position where it's like, right, well, that's that's it then. And and we're talking like tens and tens and tens of players. Obviously, not not as much of a financial impact as League of Legends, but still, like it's it's people's livelihoods. But I I think this is the difficulty that we're we're just seeing so much already, and we can just continue to see this year. Like there's big energy drink brands that are waiting out contracts with organisations currently, and as soon as those contracts have been waited out, they're out of esports. Like they're taking a step back, and there there are people that have been in the scene for ages. So it's it's that scary place where 
again, a hundred percent agree with the walkout. Like, but it's also a very scary time to do it when you're dealing with someone that could quite simply say no. Sorry. Yeah, I, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's the question of like what leverage and 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 what do you hold and like what are you risking? Yeah, like they literally risked probably a hundred people being out of a job. Exactly, and that's and that's what you've got to weigh up the risk and the reward. And I mean, the the relegation and promotion system. I, I I'm personally a fan of it from like the the Valorant model where you've got that ability to break into the upper echelon and and be amongst all of those massive teams. Um, and I I think that system does work. But you raise the point where like people have paid millions for the slot like ridiculous yeah. amounts of money and then if suddenly they're in a position where they get relegated i th i think honestly that's that's been one of the hardest things for me to get my head around really is just thinking about the organization's view on this and obviously wanting to support their players like i like i hope should be the case but again in the current esports climate these are big decisions for an organization like if i mean Go on. Let, let, let's be real like contra contractually oftentimes like what probably some of those players when they're you know going like like when they're putting these demands yeah um and and when they're risking you know not only their jobs but also exposure and you know money that is going into the pockets of the orgs which is also securing their salary they might be in breach of their own contract that's yeah that's another thing that has been circling around my you know, brain we don't know every contract right but like usually like if you do something that is harmful for your employer you'll probably be in breach of contract there's so, that I there's obviously agreeing to play in the title that you're assigned and like yeah. loads i think loads of things that could be brought into question that are just commonplace in in the player contracts but yeah i think that that is a difficult part of it is that obviously it, it is for the players benefit it's for so many players benefit if if these uh demands demands could be met but from the organization standpoint like i mean a stab in the back is kind of the right the right yeah. phrase when you think about some of the demands it's probably the method of like how yeah. is all of this you know brought forward by the players yeah because the main thing that we've seen is like that originally the, the the conversation was between riot and between the teams and then the player association um or like you know player representation was i don't want to say mad but mm. not happy about not being involved yeah so and and that is you know it's their right to like get up and 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 speak about that and and push riot that they will be involved in this um it's often maybe even a question of like how much is a player association a recognized governing body in all of those political um structures yeah. i mean kind of cuz like if if you compare to traditional um you know like we can go back to traditional sports because it's, it's kind of like what we've seen is um i've i've been a huge fan of the nba yeah uh the last time 
we've seen that in the NBA is pretty much when in the 2011-2012 season um, there wasn't an agreement about you know they had an issue with the collective bargain agreement um, and um, we we saw a lockout happening and yep. the season which usually has 82 games which might even have changed by now like I've like honestly I've not watched the NBA <laughs> as much in the past five years as I have yeah you know I'm also getting older um, <laughs> as, as I have in my like my early 20s or my late teens yeah um, but yeah we, we saw like a reduction of like nearly 20 games uh, less because everything was pushed back and yeah is is like but over there you know the the player association or like the the, the player governing body um is like a rec- is is a recognized unit um that the nba and the teams um are negotiating with i don't know how much it is the case is i i don't know too much about north america to be honest and and how the lcs is run there mm. i don't know how much um how that is the case over there but yeah is um it's kind of like Go- going back to the point i think it's a little bit of the method of how you bring it up because like if if players or w- when you're an organization your players are willing to risk not only their livelihoods but also how you are going to be able to pay them how you're making sponsors happy like how you are able to get to generate revenue that is going into players pockets in the end yep um you know if I'm at org, do I really want to have those players on board that are like pushing that and, and are risking that much? It's a tricky one. I think, yeah, from the business standpoint, you've, you've got to be asking yourself at that point like the the potential loss of money. Like you, You've got to be thinking about it and thinking about the risks yeah. involved. But I think one of the just circling back to talking about like the player association being a recognized governing body, I just can't really think of any governing bodies that are recognized in the industry realistically like when you think about it the only time uh i i believe from an outsider's perspective that esports has been governed is through the franchise process with like contractual reviews and like and making sure that obviously the players are taken care of and and that side of things but when you look at the rest of esports of all the other organizations of everything around that and there's obviously in each country there's probably one twitter page and website that is set up to say that they want to govern esports in that in that area yeah. but there isn't really i don't know like i've i've never seen any action from it so yeah i, I mean like maybe governing body is is the wrong word but no like... no i i think it's the right word 100% because i think ultimately there should be some authority elsewhere like it's it's the same with like having a union in the workplace right it's yeah. it's meant to be that same kind of vibe where ultimately like this is your employment this is your job and there there should always be that outside source that you can refer to if needs be yeah but but, but, but going back you know to the to the real world and uh, yeah like not not to i don't want to say to the real world but like yeah. to you know standard not even standard but like common you know how we always know how how companies and industries have worked yep um like your boss is not gonna like if you're joining a workers union no god like, no. 
they they will they will try to like stop you from joining that workers union. Why? Because oh, the workers union is gonna call you in to like go on strike, which loses uh their your employer money. Yeah. Um, money that would eventually like go into your pocket. Um. Yeah, I mean it's tricky. Like you know, it's yeah. like I, look, I'm I'm not sitting here being like, oh yeah, players shouldn't go and and speak up. Um. And make their voices heard because that's really important um like i'm again like i'm 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 actually happy like that this has happened because yeah 100 i i like how the the challenger system or like the amateur scene is kind of like done in emea it's like yes you can't get up to um the lec as like an entire team unless you buy into the franchise program but in terms of like the players you can really show your skills yeah because emia masters is a strong tournament and it's a good tournament and it's something that is like every lec team is required to have a team in the regional leagues and it's yeah i think it's more like an in in that case i think it's more like a north american problem where they were like hey we we have to push more for nacl um which yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just like from the team perspective, which is the perspective that I come from the most. And yeah. like you as well. Like, of course, we understand the players, but look, it's, it's not really as attractive. No, I can understand God, why the teams don't don't want to do it. Um. So, yeah, it's... But... And of course, you know, everything we're saying, it's easier said than done. We're saying like, oh yep. yeah, all of the parties, they just have to sit down at the table and think about like a more lucrative model you know similar yeah. to what europe does where it's like actually valuable for these lcs teams to invest into academy but, to invest into the the challenger leagues yeah i mean i i think that's probably the biggest difference between emea and na is that when you're looking at these challenger leagues it just feels like like europe we have actually seen it a few times where players are brought up to the big leagues because it, it is treated like that academy process the same in football the same in other sports where that they are there to be nurtured to one day develop into into the big stars and that's obviously where the investment is going into with that in mind whereas na again without knowing too much about it and only knowing a little bit about it it just very much seems like the academy style isn't designed or isn't really prioritized as generating new talent it's maybe a fallback for pro players to retire to potentially i don't know how accurate that is that is me just looking at some of the people I mean, that look, have look, gone Euro to the academy european, side. european players retire in the lcs yeah 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 that yeah okay yeah so but but that that proves the point you know is that obviously like yeah. again like i i don't mind because ultimately for a player you have a limited career unless you yeah, like capitalize on that career in terms of producing content or building a brand for yourself but the ability to then obviously continue playing at lower stakes still be comfortable everything like that that's obviously great but if you're looking at the academy process and really looking at what it's meant to do and looking at it as like players on a trading marketplace 
right that's that's another thing that you can use to justify the cost that's going into it is that if you're developing talent that is unbelievable then okay their, their public profile is getting increased and that you might actually have a chance of them being bought into another team if not if if you don't have space in your own team yeah. and at that point it's generating the money back especially in league of legends where the money is quite high in reality um because of the franchising so yeah again it's it's a tricky one it just i don't yeah, know there, i mean we're, there's so we're many moving that pieces quite often yeah <laughs> yeah it's well quick, it's a tricky one it, but it is look it is yeah um we, we're happy of course you know that, that the players are making their voices heard and that um you know there are discussions happening now but the question is like how much do they really get yeah and this is to kind of like jump skip a little bit um it's not as it's it's the same actually in other esports titles yeah. so something that i recently saw like I, I can't open it right now because uh reddit has some issues going on i actually saw a tweet by i think it was a tweet by fanatic earlier where mm. they said like they're taking their their own fanatic subreddit down oh um because of something that is going on with with new reddit oh, licensing agreements or whatever um but um so yeah, I, I can't we can't look at the post but valve put out a statement in terms of like counter-strike 2 mm -hmm. that they're not really happy with those um with those leagues where teams are set which is pretty much they're having an issue with franchise leagues and if you're looking at counter-strike there's two yep there's blast and there is uh esl pro league yep um both of those leagues are kind of like run by the tournament organizer by in like either blast or esl together with the teams um because like this is what in the esl pro league what the louvre agreement for yep. example does um where yes if you're part of that agreement part of that group uh you have your spot secured and um yeah, I, I just saw an article and, and like some Reddit post that Valve is not really happy about that and don't they don't want to go down that route and don't want to give them as much power with Counter-Strike 2. I think... Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously surprising or more shocking, really. But it's it's something that we've always joked about, probably joked about a few times over the years, where even regarding getting sponsors in for your organization, right? You would always be like, oh, let's go with Valve because they don't care. Like you could do anything like when it comes to CSGO or Dota in, in that regard. So, and when it comes to the tournaments as well, like you get so many tournament organizers that run CS events from like C tier all the way up to S tier. So I can understand that they want to kind of have more power in terms of uh, orchestrating the the competitive scene of it but it's just what that looks like because again going back to the like nurturing young talent side of things a lot of the young talent moves up through these smaller tournaments gets recognition then goes and goes and goes and goes and goes to the top so if that then gets limited you're then potentially limiting the talent pool um but again like at until reddit's back up or whatever that issue is then we're, we're not going to be it's, able to it, read too much into it 
I, I just quickly googled it and, okay. I, and I found um, you know some other articles. There's something on CSGO.com where it's like Richard Lewis, Valve is apparently urging ESL and Blast to abandon partnered leaks by Counter Strike 2 release. And uh, yeah, so again, like this is pretty much just yeah. a question of power. I think Valve is at that point where they're looking exactly at what Riot did with League of Legends what they recently just did with with valorant and they're now at a point where well esl and blast they're running all of these counter-strike tournaments and it's kind of the same situation in dota um like dota the dota pro circuit which is like the the valve events mm. those are not run by valve themselves they outsource that to pgl yeah or like you know the, depending on like whatever partner in europe it's it's mainly pgl um, before at some point it was ESL and DreamHack. Um, now ESL is doing, or ESL slash DreamHack is doing DreamLeague again. Like right now, as as we are recording this, uh, it's uh, DreamLeague season twenty, mm. um, and they're having a big tournament in uh, Riyadh at Gamers Eight, which is called the Riyadh Masters, which has outside of TI the biggest prize pool in the eight figures. Yeah. Killed. with and, and with like what ti price pool was i mean like now we're seeing we're actually seeing another dota tournament that could get like very close like imagine ti only gets a 19 or like or like uh 17 18 19 million price pool i think the price pool for Riyadh masters in dota is like 15 or 16 million that doesn't surprise i think the overall among the tournaments uh gamers they are like it's like 42 million across yeah, the titles but, or something but then put yourself in valve's position you're sitting mm. here and you're seeing like esl running the show and like putting that money in of course and you know of course the teams like go with it and they're like well why should we have those tournament organizers why should we have them like let them have the cake and now yeah. they're developing counter-strike 2 and, and, and Counter Strike Two is is releasing later this year, and they're like, "Well, we need to do something about ESL and Blast because clearly, like, if you think about competitive tournaments in terms of, uh, in terms of Counter Strike, sure, major. Sometimes there's a PGL major. Sometimes you know there's a different major, but like, b the big power or like the most power in Counter Strike is with ESL and Blast." Ah, uh, hundred percent agree. 100% agree to that and I think that's like from the CSGO point of view being involved for a few years a bit, a bit dusty on it but previously involved for a few years is that CSGO was and the actual development side of it was super hands-off like it was it was literally ESL and Blast and uh, like you said some of the PGL tournaments like it, it was all run through that and that was the expectation that's how it is like you it it's almost weird to think about like a csgo major instead of a yeah. blast major or an esl uh pro tour or something so yeah I, I definitely understand again from the point of view do they want to share that out like they're in a position where they're developing cs2 which has been sought after for so long the traction on it already is unbelievable we're seeing that with with like the amount of cases that are being opened in the game with the amount of like people that are flocking back to the game um but yeah it's just again it's that issue is that blast and esl do it well 
there has obviously been situations where it hasn't been done well but like as a majority it's been done well um yeah i i agree with that but but what does happen if actually um and and this is like what what they're saying what they're talking about in this article um they that apparently and like i, I don't know if there's like any sources to this but mm. you know if if valve is urging esl and blast to abandon their leagues like blast premier um the, the blast premier league and esl pro league yeah and and there's like a, a sentence like if they want to get a license for cs2 so when you're the game developer you can just go like okay yeah sure like i mean you can do your part in the league but not with our game yeah i mean i think that that would probably cause another walkout to be honest <laughs> i think if something like that happened the cs teams would uh like i i don't know it's just speculation but i think and, and i mean we're early we're early in in the, in the process right like I yeah. mean, cs2 isn't even released like yeah yeah with with league of legends it's easy because league of legends is out and you know riot is is paying those salaries riot uh and, and is paying those like revenues uh, revenue shares to teams teams are paying those big salaries and and it's like these players have literally done it for years mm. but like and and it's not like you know Counter Strike Two is like a completely new game, but it's kinda, it is a little bit of a blank slate. It it is it is, and I think because so much, like ultimately from from Valve's point of view, right, they've not only seen that of course will have seen the stuff that's happened with Riot League of Legends, all of this stuff, as well as all the other titles in the atmosphere for for the past however many years cs in general you can even tell with like some of the latest game updates that have happened after the first kind of wave of of beta access is that they are massively learning from everyone around them and everything that has happened previously in cs so i think in my mind the ideal from from me if from me if i get a choice uh if they call yeah. me up and they're what, just like choice, yeah caesar go on mate tell us what to do um I, I think it's similar to uh, what Valorant did and have a sanctioned tournament organizer. Uh, similar to with Valorant, obviously using Freaks for You for, well, obviously it's regional dependent, but doing something like that where they are sanctioned to do an agreement in place between the tournament organizer and the game developer that it's potentially more fruitful because there's the credibility there as well like the the first cs2 major being run by esl or blast for that but then i don't know i think obviously if it was just dedicated like, csgo then look, look this this is what uh, and and i mean blizzard did, as, did it as well like yeah. uh, we had i mean with blizzard it was either dreamhack or esl hmm. that usually organized the the tournaments trying to think if there was another like tournament in the circuit that wasn't esl or dreamhack no i can't think of any right now um but like look valve did the same with dota uh yeah. like the the regional leagues for um and, and, I, and i mean like i think they're actually still doing it let me quickly pull up the dota liquipedia but yeah, it's like North America and Western Europe are run by PGL. 
Yeah. And then okay. Eastern Europe is run by something called Paragon Events. Right. Um, South America is run by something by a company called ESB. You know, it's like mm. they have sanctioned it to and then like outsourced it to like those other companies. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of just. But but like to do that and to outsource it to other companies, you, I think you have to be like the number one power. And with Counter-Strike, ESL, Blast, and Valve, it's not really clear who the number one power is. Because yeah. let, let's let's get this hypothetical scenario. Counter-Strike 2 drops. Valve is like, all right, ESL, Blast, what are you going to do? Abandon your partner leaks? Get like the leak from us? Or do whatever you want to do? Mm. And Blast, for example, says, well... Okay, Valve. F. Um, <laughs> we're not gonna do it. Yeah. We're not gonna do it. We're just continue running CS:GO events. True. We, we don't care if we don't have the license for CS2. We'll we'll continue doing CS:GO or something else. Who are the players going to follow? If let, let's say ESL yeah. and Blast both are like, no, nah, okay, CS2, we're not doing it. We're just running events in like CS:GO. Because we still have a li- because they still have a license or whatever, mm. or they can do it in CS:GO. They're not gonna do CS2. What's happening? Yeah. Are the players going to follow Valve and go and play CS2, or are they following Blast and an ESL? And then it's just like, who of those, who are like Blast ESL, like the tournament organizers and the game developer, has the longer breath? Because I feel like the sanctioning that you give them original league like oh europe is run by blast and north america is run by esl or whatever that only works if you already have the power true no that is very true i i I think that raises a really good point to be honest because i think there's obviously multiple factors to consider with who they would go after whether it would be with the tos or whether it would be the game dev i think ultimately who's provided them more and who's actually produced an ecosystem that would be the the tos (laughs) but yeah yeah, i think i don't know i I think it is a really interesting one i think i mean let's be real it's, it's where the money is and if if blast and esl can continue to generate like the decent sized prize pools and run it through csgo yeah, CSK. If they can run it through CSGO. I mean, um, look, look what they did with Dota. Riot Masters yeah. again, you know, like how how big, how big is that price pool? Like, um, I mean, I still have the Dota to compare. It's, it's 15 million US dollars. Oh my word. It's it's the biggest price pool outside of the international. Yeah. That's, and that's scary if i go back to because like ti22 wasn't really that good in terms of price pool um i think it was like what uh schedule uh where's where's ti i have to check again but it was like what 19 million mm. compared to the 40 million that we had in in the year before um yeah, and then I mean... like fifteen million price pool is already getting like really really close. Yeah, TI twenty two had eighteen point nine million US dollars, 
and now you know ESL is putting up an an event that is already getting like fifteen millions. So I guess you say like where where the money's at, and I yeah. and I think like you know with like all of the infra infrastructure that ESL has already like given yeah. in terms of the tournaments and and what they have invested into the scene for all of those years in Counter Strike is if if that comes to a showdown, holy. Like, get the popcorn ready. Yeah, I was going to say, that would be a... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're not going to give us the license? Okay, we'll take 100% of your player base then. Thank you very much. Good night. See you later. I mean, but, who, who knows, but it could happen. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, again, like, it's it's what the players... That I think that's where... You're right. The, 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 the general theme for all of this is that power battle. Um, whether it's between the the players and the game developer or the tournament organizer and the game developer. And if the tournament tournament organizer and the game developer are the one and the same, then obviously it gets a lot more difficult. But um, as we can see with North America League of Legends. But yeah, I, I think it's... I don't know. I, I think we, we knew this year there were going to be loads of changes anyway. Like we we knew it's gonna happen with everything that's going on. Imagine Valve and uh, ESL slash Blast, and then trying to like fight over the teams. I mean, like you know, trying to sway them, you know, their oh, way. It's gonna be like Sports Day, just picking. Yes. <laughs> just be like, oh. oh, Navi, yeah, we'll take you first. Lovely, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, sorry, heroic, you're last. Sorry. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, like they—they they apparently have something else going on again. Oh god! Know. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like we we need a um a whole separate episode just for the uh, the the oh, dark I've, side. Like, the dark side. Oh the my dark god. side. Yeah. I mean, but when like heroic just sold during the the Paris major. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens um, with the agreement between the Player Association and Riot. Uh, there's obviously going to be super big impacts there. That I don't know. I, I think it will be interesting to see how the other regions respond to it. I personally haven't seen much. I don't, I, if I'm honest, I haven't seen any comment from like the European player scene. Um, in terms of players speaking out on it or anything like no, that, I haven't looked for it either. Me neither. Um, I, 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 I can say, like, I, I'm, I'm, you know this. I'm, I'm good friends with Broxa. Yep. Um, I've been on a, on a phone call with him, and he, he also like that. There was like when this just started. Yep. Um, and he just said like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, you know, to just like see what happens there. Yep. And. You know, like he pretty much like him and me. We both kind of said like, "Look, you like we have a saying in Germany: you can't really do much besides like sitting there, watch it play out, and yep. drink some tea." Um, and yeah, this is you know kind of like what we're gonna do. And and he said as well, like, "Look, the the power in the end is like what mostly with Riot." Yep. Is is the same with same with we're going back to Heroes of the Storm, but back then, if Blizzard decided to pull the plug. There was nothing that either teams or players could do. Yep. So yeah, if there's if there's no game, you know who's playing it? 
Exactly. Um, and that, I, th I think that's just the difficulty we've got to face. I think it'll be really interesting to see. I don't imagine there would be, but I think it'd be really interesting to see if there's some level of like chain reaction uh, amongst the other regions based on the result of these uh, this supposed agreement in terms of if you'd see a reaction from Europe, from Asia. Um, I think Europe probably the least, because, like, let's yeah. be honest, like, the European scene is, like, of course it's not perfect, right? I mean, there's, well, no. there's probably tons of players on teams in, in some of the European regional leagues or in, in the EMEA regional leagues who aren't as supported and, and don't have as many rights yep. as they probably should have. But overall, like, the the system for like all of those regional leagues like that is a really good system mm. um so i don't really i don't really see like europe being the one complaining if, yeah if you want to put it like that yeah no definitely um but yeah no i think it's just a waiting game I just yeah, gotta drink our tea and and wait to see I mean, what happens. I don't, but... I don't think we'll we'll see anything like more happening with with league this year. No. Um I mean like the what is is summer split. Uh summer split is starting now. Um well like both LCS and LEC are kicking off this week again. Yep. Um and then, you know, like all of the playoffs and, and finals are going to be early September and then we're gonna see worlds and then like maybe there's gonna be some changes or like some more like this, this is actually what they should, what they're probably doing is they're discussing changes that will be effective from from next year yep uh from next season um but yeah um i kind of like um i kind of like as well like how they're doing it with with valorant um cuz they they kind of like did some of those like the, the partnered system but also giving the chance for other teams to make their way um, other organizations to make their way to the top and become one of those partner teams as well. So yeah, seeing what happened in what happened in league now with kind of like the player walkout in North America, but also how Riot set up um, the entire Valorant ecosystem. Mm. Like those things being in place, or with with Riot kind of like having that power. And and that dynamic with the teams, it will be interesting to see based on that what what Wolf is going to do. Yeah. With both Counter Strike Two dropping, but also with how they continue to support Dota. Um and and things may be changing. Like as I mentioned, like there is some, it it, like you, you can already see like there is some tension. And if there's tension between Valve and ESL in Counter Strike, then there's probably also tension between Valve and ESL in Dota. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That it's it's definitely going to be there whether we see it or not. But no, I I think I think it's very valid. I think it's very valid. Um, well, not that the tension's valid, but the, just the the feedback on the situation. Um, yeah, it's kind of like how how do you create the best ecosystem that is the most viable for you as like a game developer or as as the rights holder? Yeah. Um, that you know has the best interest of the players in mind but also you know makes creates a viable system for the teams to exist and pay the players and that yeah continue I, to evolve i think that's that's a big thing that it comes down to right is that 
it's generating ways for the teams to be successful through it whether that's yeah. from a commercial perspective or uh, like fan base perspective being able to generate something from it um, I think is always the tricky one and there's obviously some titles that, that do it well where from a commercial standpoint the the game is incredibly appetizing to get into because there's that chance of, of getting something back and I mean no one really relies on prize money anyway but like it's it's something more that that can just offset the cost that you're that you're putting into the game yeah. but yeah i i think it's just a waiting game i think it's seeing what happens i think the i'm definitely going to be keeping tabs on the on the cs2 um discussions and seeing where that goes because yeah, that... i mean look it's, it's it's fun to sit there see what happens get the popcorn ready and... exactly and then we can jump on a call and talk about it exactly yeah. so yeah i think that's probably just going to be the game plan is that at the end of the day like i mean i'm not personally affected by it so i can just sit there and yeah. just be like oh True. interesting cool well that's a crazy True. decision instead of being like great I'm gonna lose my job. Are, <laughs> like, with 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 quadrant. Yes. Uh, you are not in like any kind of like franchise league, right? I mean. No, I mean we're uh, partnered with HCS for Halo. Yeah, that, yeah, Halo. But, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not that full franchise system. No. No, no, no. It's yeah. I, I would say very similar to Rocket League. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's actually quite accurate. To be fair um but yeah i mean like it's like i know how it works in rocket league but probably you know some people who listen don't necessarily know how it works yeah if for you sure wanna, like elaborate a little bit how how like halo and, and rocket league how psionics and and oh, well 343 hcs 343 it was yeah I, I, um, I, you know i was i was this close <laughs> of saying bungee and i was like but, oh, oh no, that's yeah. the wrong one no 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 a little bit outdated there but yeah um again i'm old so <laughs> you're fine uh but yeah no i mean the the general setup ultimately is that if if you're a prominent team in the game you can look at uh attaining certain benefits from it so you're not looking at the, the franchise side of things, which uh, Jan explained incredibly well in the previous episode, you're looking more at a, uh, a partnership point of view. So Rocket League, one of the big ones is uh, you'll have a decal in the game uh, for the Octane, the Fennec, and the Dominus. Uh, you'll have certain other things as well. Basically, you're branding in the game, which is an unbelievable feeling. It's very, very cool, especially if you play that game anyway, and then suddenly you've got your branding in it. Um so for for that side of it it's obviously very beneficial you're entitled to a percentage uh split of the decal sales uh so it's obviously incredibly important to push those decal sales um and it's it's similar with halo um with there's obviously in-game skins as well for for the spartan um and there's the the invite potential to majors as well there's there's a lot of things to it um where that's I, i'd say that's kind of you've got franchising at the top in terms of the the agreement signed between a game and the developer and then you've got the partner uh, partnering probably below that i don't really think there's anything in the middle um no. but yeah I, I think that that is if I'm honest, partnering is a very interesting one because it relies on 
the team's success, um, obviously, as well as the the game dev success. Um, obviously, like like we've joked about already, um, Halo is is massively NA dominant, um, and I think Europe probably has like three thousand players, maybe something like that. I I think that's concerningly accurate. Um, so it's, it's obviously a bit behind with it so at that point it's then okay um, is that to be expected uh, have the devs done something that's led to that is it just uh, I, I had this conversation with someone recently and obviously back in the days of like Halo 3 and everything like that the same people that were heavily into Halo 3 and obviously that rise of esports around Halo are now probably married kids office job maybe like it's an entirely di- different atmosphere to then commit that much time to a game or to an esport um but yeah i i think overall it's i don't know halo does it very well i think uh the team that they've got behind it as well are very very good yeah. like really really good so there's um i mean i'm gonna be flying out in two weeks uh yeah two weeks uh going out to arlington for another for another major um and then there'll be another one after that and another one after that and then we've got another one uh, yeah. and then we've got the world another one. <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and then we've got the world championship in october uh which yeah. i mean hopefully we'll qualify for if we keep this pace we'll be able to do it easy peasy but um yeah it's just a very clear roadmap everyone knows what's going on like it's it's very up to date i think rocket league as well is it's definitely a good one in terms of like the decal sales and the community the viewership is really good again like it's a very accessible game and it's a very self-explanatory game um which i think tied into very well why teams do very well in it as well as the game developer does very well in it um so much so that they can develop a mobile game that they bring out that probably no one plays that much anymore, but Sideswipe was good for the first few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, rem- oh, I remember Sideswipe. Yeah. I think I downloaded it and I played like two or three games. and then <laughs> I, d- I played it for a couple of weeks and then it disappeared from my phone miraculously. I don't know where it went. It must have It must have yeah. fallen away. I mean, but... I, I, I didn't in, like when I... I got a new phone last year in yeah. the summer um and i just didn't install it like yeah i, I didn't get it yeah um, no, i don't blame you. you 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 touched on something which is maybe going to be some uh, a topic for like the next episode we Ooh. can tease it a little bit Ooh. um but i thought at some point we have to talk about the different generations of esport players oh yes you know, oh like me obviously being the designated old man of this podcast um <laughs> Just yeah. because I'm in my 30s and you are not. Not yet. It's Young coming. Laddie. It's coming. Young laddie. Um, but um, yeah, I've I've seen I've seen some posts and and it's mainly about like you know player attitude and how there's probably two generations of esport players uh, and esport professionals. Oh yeah. The ones that like came to fame and played professionally before 2017. And the ones that played professionally after, because the ones that played professionally before 2017, they are not, they're usually not spoiled. They are um, the ones you know who remember going to a LAN and just all sleeping in one room, 
Yeah. Um, with like mattresses in in boot camps, uh, and not everyone like being in a hotel room and and yeah. But I think that's that's something good for for another episode. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I, I think we we covered pretty much all. I I thought like earlier, I was I was thinking about the Nick Merckx situation that's currently going on in terms of Call of Duty. <laughs> Because oh, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, having having you know, because because I mean, look, it's, it's our podcast. We can be somewhat casual here. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, because you mentioned like, oh yeah, you know, having your stuff and your skin, your branding inside the game, you know, is the greatest thing. And I'm like, yeah. And then you throw it away, like Nick Marks did. Yeah, I I think that in itself, I I want to actually put together an episode that's like top ten hiccups. Or so, or something like that, oh. or something like that, where we can go through, have a blast from the past, and also throw in some but current relevant ones. Then, then, then you're forcing me to do research. Yeah, but I, <laughs> like, then I think I really have to sit down and be like, oh wait, what happened again? Well, uh, how about we can do five each? We do five okay. each. We bring our our top five each from the table. Okay. Um, we share the list beforehand to make sure we don't have any dupes. But oh, I thought like how hilarious would it be? We just, <laughs> all you know, five, all five, unscripted, unscripted. We sit down and it's like, yep. oh yeah. So what are your five points? I was like, okay, um, yeah. Well. <laughs> okay, so say your number five at the same time. Three, two, one. Nick Merck's Call of Duty. Oh, yeah. oh okay, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Um, gonna be a quick one, but yeah, no, I think if I'm honest, we we covered uh, the main thing with League of Legends. It's not just going to be a bit of sitting and waiting, see what happens from that. I think again, there's a lot, there's a lot of positives and a lot of negatives, and it's just going to be a bit of a waiting game to see how that plays out, um, and yeah. especially see how the teams react to it as well, pending decision. Um, let, let let's see how the power battles. Yeah, exactly. Who wins the election. Exactly. It basically is elections at this point. It's all politics, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, I think we can wrap it up there for today's episode. Um, awesome. But yeah, no, I think we've got some nice teasers in there for some future episodes as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, forward to it. Lovely. Well, I've been Zach. I've been Jan. This is Forge Podcast. Uh, and we'll see you again very, very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.